Hello and welcome to the All Creatures Great and Gone podcast with me, Carrie, Pet Bereavement Counsellor. Welcome to episode 12, a pre-Christmas episode where I speak to Laura Marjorie Miller, who is an animal communicator. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday, however that looks to you, and I wish you all the best for the new year. Thank you for listening. There we go. Got it. Brill. Um, so, hello, um, Laura, Marjorie um, Miller, animal communicator. Um, so, how, how are you today? Are you having a good day? I am having a good day. I'm in the, it's hard to believe it's 10 days till Christmas when we're recording this. And that is, um, it's sooner than it's, you know, than it seems like it ought to be. But it's definitely in that miraculous kind of mode that everyone gets into in the Christmas and Yuletide season. So it's really a beautiful time, even though where I live in um, the Midwestern U.S., it doesn't feel like Christmas right now because it's uh, currently 60 some degrees Fahrenheit and there's not a scrap of snow on the ground anywhere which makes everyone's lawn decorations look a little bit silly yeah oh gosh yeah 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 but you know who knows what'll happen by next week maybe it'll get more in the general agreement of what it's supposed to be like yeah yeah like I said I suppose it's hard to feel Christmas when you think of Christmas and you think of snow and frost and just December, like colder temperatures, and then you forget that people live in areas that you know actually it's you know if it's um like forty like forty degrees thirty degrees that's like you know even I, I don't know like for myself like in the u k um like twenty degrees and over is absolutely sweltering to me mm-hmm. <laughs> anything like you know, but you think um. Yeah, like like you say, you know, you could have like Christmas decorations out, and and it feels it's Christmassy because that's the season, and it feel you know there's the vibe, but yet the weather's like actually it's like it could be summer, it could be you know it's um, yeah. yeah. But I suppose everyone's getting into the festive spirit and and as best they can, aren't they? And yeah. not letting the sort of weather decide you know determine the mood, I suppose. Um, right. This, but yeah, the sun and the earth definitely know what time it is you know, according to the length of the day and the night. So that, that does, that's not changing. Although, you know, so what I was saying is, you know, when you see a Santa and in a sleigh parked in someone's yard in a bunch of brown grass and he's like, well, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) sleigh. I think we're just going to have to get airborne Yeah, because there's no snow, but yeah, still as far as we can tell the sun and the tilt of the earth are, are working. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so I um, wanted to wanted to talk to you about about um, what you know what you do. Um, your you know you uh, an animal communicator, and I just think that people would be um, it, you know intrigued as, as I am to find out what. Um, what that entails and how you know what what that actually means and you know is it like having a a, a conversation with your, your pet or someone else's 
pet mm-hmm. or a companion or you know there, there are so many questions and I think as soon as you say um like animal communication I think people like start to think like I don't know um the, the cats seem to wrap their heads around it I suppose and wonder you know it's interesting but how does it work so obviously the best person to explain how it all works is is yourself so um yeah if you if you wouldn't mind just talking us through you know what and what you do what animal communication is okay I will get into it probably through a couple of doors so it is animal communication I can see where that would be for lack of a better title because what a lot of people have an association is and fortunately these people have gone before us as being like a pet psychic which is a title I don't like because Mm. I feel like it's too it served its purpose, but it's too whimsical in a way. And yeah. um, the only problem with saying animal communicator is, you know, there are scientists who study animal communication based on signals and signs and behaviors that animals do toward one another. And that's not necessarily the same thing. So mm-hmm. when, so at this day and time and point and age, When people say animal communicator, they're meaning somebody who forms an intuitive telepathic link with an an animal animals and can receive information Mm -hmm. from them regarding their, you know, state of mind or something that's that they're experiencing, something that's going on with them. And you're, you know, you can be trained to do this. And that's an important point in my own business is that I don't only do intervention sessions for people, but I also coach people in how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, because my philosophy is the more animal communicators, the better, because that makes a better world for animals, because you have more people on the earth who accord and recognize their sentience their fullness of experience and that they're you know that they're an an agent of their own life Mm. being there and also that it benefits humans because in my view a lot of the reasons that humans can mistreat animals you know in just culturally civilizationally in general is comes from our sense of separation from them I don't think that that's something that necessarily makes us happy and to feel cut off from them. And I think that a lot of human decision-making environmentally or based on our own practices of the way we, you know, live and relate to them would necessarily be the same decisions if we had access to that information. And, and if, and, you know, so my, on my website, one of the very first things that it comes up is, um, is a reference from one of Rudyard Kipling's just so stories, which is where my title of my business, Oh, Beth Beloved comes from. And he's talking about uh, the narrator is talking about the high and far off times and the, you know, in our, in our mythologies, we always have had talking animals and humans across all cultures, you know, up, kind of up to a certain point, 
where it was just taken as a matter of course, you know, that humans and animals could, could understand each other in a much more directed way than just kind of observing each other and making a guess about what the other was doing. And so, um, but I believe that those, those stories are real and that those they're based in people's, they're not just a a symbolic legend, but they're based on memory and in a lot of cult, you know, traditional cultures, you, you know, shamans or other, you know, that it's more taken as a matter of course, that this is a real operation. And so um, what I, that's a, that's a rambler, but um, I'm having a little glitch in my internet right now. So I'm hoping you can still hear me. Um, So how, or does that cover it? Is that a good answer for? Yeah, no, I like, I like that. And I think it's important that you, um, you know, when you mentioned about like pet, pet psychic being like the term that and that, I think that's a term that most people will instantly um, recognize and be like oh right and and unfortunately I think I don't know whether you, you know what you your views are on that term is that personally I feel it can sort of come across as people have sort of into turned it into sort of like a gimmick and uh, like a um, I don't know, like a, a fun, like a stage hypnosis, you know, yeah. um, sort of thing. It's not, they're not taking it as seriously as they should and sort of treating it as a bit of a joke. And when mm-hmm. someone's a little pet psychic, it's all right, you know, ask my cat if they're happy with the brand of food I'm feeding them. And, you know, just make it, and just not really treating it with the respect that I feel it deserves. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, say, like animal communicator and is a term that it, it, it asks people to sort of really think about what that means and and when you said that um you know that's the term sort of associated with like biologists and um scientists who communicate with animals but not in the same way but it's still communication mm-hmm. and I suppose like people like you know animal uh, owners like guardians and what have you they're communicating with the pets all the time you know and the cat meows and you 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 know the or you you don't your body language and subtle noise etc so we're always communicating but I just think it's a shame when the the, there are those who would seek to sort of mock what is essentially a very important skill and something that I wonder if you feel that have, have we lost the ability to hear like and to really hear what is being said like we look at our animals and people still look at animals as like all oh, the dumb creatures you know they can't speak they they can't they're, they're lesser than than humans and and yet I think if we really tuned in we'd find that there's like a like a cacophony of noise that they're screaming like they you know so I, I don't know that's just how I interpret it is that actually you know they're, they're probably saying more than we let on if I looking at us and thinking look at these dumb bipedal creatures that just don't <laughs> to, you know so I don't know like from 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 the experts point of view like you know obviously this is your your skill this is something that you mm-hmm. you do that you coach others to be able to do what are your views around like you know the whole um animal communication and whether we've lost our way sort of thing yeah I I believe 
it happens on two different levels. Culture, I think it happens on a cultural level, which, um, which I alluded to a little bit there, um, that comes with all sorts of, you know, aspects of industrialization or just things that are expedient for, you know, different kinds of aims. It's easier to, you know, to take, take advantage of other people's, and I sometimes I'll say people, and I mean, animal people and, you know, when there are different capacities from us, if it's expedient to cut ourselves off from believing in their sovereignty or believing in their, and, and it's sovereignty with difference. That's really important to, to say that they can be sovereign in themselves agents and not identical to us. That doesn't mean that they're ever lesser. And I think that's a human trip you know, where immediately when you say different, you think, okay, well that I'm used to thinking of things on a grade mm-hmm. and it's not that, but to say, well, it's easier for me to, and the, you know, without going too far down an animal rights alleyway, but say it's easier for me to take this calf from his mother when he's like a day old, if I don't believe that there's something happening between them. If I don't believe that he, that she's going to miss him. If I don't believe that his bond with his mother is as important in their way as my, as our bonds to our parents in their own way. So, so, so over time, you know, and again, these are multiple things feeding into this, this sort of stream of collective agreement that we're all in. And it's not like one big, you know, garage door dropping down at the same, you know, all at once, but it's little things over time that change us and alienate, you know, alienate us, like literally cut us off from, from the world that we're in, um, in these, you know, compromises and agreements we've made. And, and, and then on a personal level, I, you know, when you're a child, you come into the world and you read animal stories and you believe in talking animals and you have an experience where you honestly believe that that's true. And then over time, you have enough, enough adults tell you or encounters with that, that kind of reality. You have enough people telling you that it's not true and that, you know, you're being fanciful or being you know, a big baby or being sentimental or whatever, then you start, and this is sort of in general, you can start shutting things down in yourself for different reasons in order to have a more easeful experience of life because, or because you believe that the things the adults are telling you are true mm-hmm. because they're adults and that's yeah. who you look for, for guidance. And you, you know, you want to believe them. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and in for myself, even on like an even more personal level, I, um, and this is a story I've, I've told a few times, um, I didn't really think that I had this ability, I, but I desperately wanted to have it. And I knew through my entire childhood that I would have very emotional react, you know, responses to animals that I was around and would empathize deeply with them Mm -hmm. but because my experiences were not have that of having like second sight and 
and I believed that all of this was true. I had a lot of, you know, over the course of my, you know, young adulthood, I would, you know, have, you know, psychic friends and interesting tarot reading clairvoyant friends and the things that they would talk about, not necessarily with animals, but just, you know, seeing ghosts or seeing an ET on the side of the road or something like trying to hitch a ride or things like that. I thought, okay, well, I'm not that. And, And the best that I'm ever going to be able to do in my career as a writer is to write about these things and to write about them from a perspective of an um, observer reporting on something. Mm. And, but then I got more and more interested. I fell into um, sort of working and studying and reading books of people like one person who was influential is Laura Day. She wrote, she has a wonderful book called Practical Intuition and writing about like everybody has these abilities. And this is before I attached it to animals. It was just me saying, okay, I'm going to start practicing these innate empathetic and intuitive responses to things. And I'm going to, I'm going to practice it and carve it out in myself. And I started, you know, also I, I practiced uh, channeling and just the hope that nobody's listening to this um, is like, okay, that's it. That's where I'm getting off the truck. Cause she's talking about channeling now, but the thing about that practice of channeling was I was building up those pathways in myself and, and I, it's, it's like any kind of neural pathway or habit that you have of mind. And it's like, it's stronger and stronger as you, as you do it. And because I was suddenly blown away by the fact that I was able to have experiences doing that based on practice, that there was a coming together of strands. You know, I, by that point, I definitely had animal communicators who I followed and admired and I believed in what they did. And I think it was because animals were so important to me that, that it was almost like they were the last thing that I held off on doing because I felt like if I fail in this, then I'm like a squib. <laughs> it felt like a Harry Potter thing. And it. it's like, I'm a squib and I'm not going to be able to do, and I'm going to, but I was like, but I have to try it. Mm. I'm going to try it. And I had, um, you know, a teacher that I had been following for a while. And when I really decided I, you know, this is something that can be of great service. Mm-hmm. I want to study from her and I want to learn from her. And so I enrolled in her program and, and took it all the way to professional mm-hmm. certification. And it was rigorous. It was you know, rigorous work and submitting reports to be peer reviewed by Mm -hmm. mentors in the program and for the fine and having to have verified feedback from the animals guardians and putting together this whole portfolio at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but by doing that, I knew, like, I feel like I can do it and rely Mm -hmm. on it in the way a professional, any, anything. Cause I always think there's, that's the difference between being the kind of like an, I don't want to say amateur has such bad connotations, but being like, oh, I'm a photographer 
And if you're like an amateur photographer and you're like, I can take pictures of things when I'm really inspired to do it. And it's something I care about versus a professional photographer, which is like, if anybody gives me a job, I can take a picture of anything because that's the job. And I was like, I want to do it. So it's that deep in. Um, So that's part of the the current of my path to doing this now. That's brilliant. I, I find it like absolutely fascinating, and I just, um, I don't know. It, I, th- I think like people like sort of communicate more more than they probably realise as well, don't they? And I read mm-hmm. somewhere that like cats, for instance, um, don't meow or vocalise with other cats. They reserve it for people. I, I, I don't know, um, but I just I sort of like the idea of like of a cat like thinking right. I brought you a, I brought you a gift. I brought you a mouse or whatever because you you know you um you're such a bad hunter or <laughs> yeah. like, you know let me feed you because you're terrible or um and they like look at you and like meow and whatever or like vocalize and we're like oh really yeah is that what you think and the cat's like you have no idea what I'm saying dude and, <laughs> like, and, and, you know, and the, I don't know I just like I had a cat years ago and he he talked like do different vocalizations and I'd be like all right and he talked one day I I honestly he sort of looked to me like he's like oh you you know you find finally is you know if he was human like he'd play like just throwing his hands out and like finally she gets it (laughs) I was like what (laughs) just looking like I've I've tried you know but I just I just think it's it's fascinating and um and, and like you say, like I, I loved like the Rudyard Kipling just saw stories, and I think like my favourite one was well, one of my favourites was the Elephant's Child, yep. and the one with the the rhinoceros, how the rhinoceros got his skin, and mm-hmm. I, that always fascinates me when you know every I, I see him, I just all I can see is the crumbs, cake crumbs, and yes, buttons. The part of the Parsi man, the Parsi man, I love, <laughs> I, yeah, and it's just I, I love it, and I just. Um, uh, like I say, like, you know, I've got I've I've got like four four rats and like I talk to them and like they they um you know we interact and I sort of talk to them as if they can understand what I'm saying or but mm-hmm. I suppose it's I I don't know I suppose it's sort of silly of us to assume that you know that they they don't understand that you know that they they I think they understand more than we we give them credit for Mm -hmm. it's just that the way they communicate back to us isn't in a way that we would associate with being sort of decent communication or you know um but I just yeah I don't know I just I find it really fascinating and I love that like you say you've you've done all this like rigorous training and so it's something that you've put a lot of time and effort into to perfect and to um, to ensure that all parties are, um, you know, are being heard and that all parties are, um, I don't know, that, that you know, it, it's um, it's professional. Like I say, it's professional, it's um, it's proper, you know, and um, I think that that lends uh, an air of respect and authority and I think that people will hopefully be listening and thinking, Right. Okay. Well, maybe you know, at first we thought it was a bit new agey, a bit. Oh, I don't know. And then now they're like, absolutely. Do you know what? That is really, you know. And I think it's like when people sort of talk about um, things like you know um, animal communication, and some people are just like roll their eyes and just like yeah. wander off, and and other people will be like, 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested and others will hear what you've got to say and then they either change their minds on it or they're just, they're just not, they're, they're choosing not to hear what, what's being said. Um, and like you say, when we, if we think of animals not being sort of sentient and not having uh, their own thoughts and their own feelings and their own emotions, then it's easier for us to do horrible things or things that we wouldn't consider doing to a fellow human. But yet we, because we've distanced ourselves, you know, I just find it all really fascinating. I mean, I was, I was doing a, a diploma in thanatology and it was discussing, one of the modules was discussing like animal grief. And I was, some of the stories I was reading, like, you know, there's um, like geese and crows and uh, chimps. And, and I was just like, you know, if they don't, if they're not capable of, um, if they're not sentient, if they're not capable of thought and, you know, why have you, why would they do these things, these rituals and feel this loss, you know? And I just, I don't know, it's one of those things that I could quite easily go down like a really deep sort of rabbit hole worth and just, you know, um, and I just, I, yeah, honestly, I find it really fascinating. And, and I hope that like people that are listening will want, they'll reach out to you and, you know, want to find out more and, because I just think it's it's fascinating. Um, I, I hope I would love that one one bit about grief, and we can, you know, we can go down a few different avenues. But there was um, a consult I did with a client whose whose dog was experiencing some some behavioral issues that she was wanting to understand what he was why he was making the choices he was making. And when I was talking to her in the, in the consult, you know, she kept, um, and she still had, there originally had been, um, a, there was the, the dog I was doing the consult for, there was this, uh, a new, a new dog, a younger dog that she had adopted to replace or whatever to, you know, replace isn't the right word, but the, a dog who had died. And the, the dog who was the subject of the consult was having some issues with the younger dog and not accepting the younger dog who was very much trying to gain his favor and be accepted by him and be loved by him. And, and then she was asking me, um, you know, after we did the whole, the whole consult, you know, would it be a good idea to do the second, you know, the, the younger dog? And I said, well, we can, but what I, what I really might be of best benefit at this point would to be to do an in-spirit consult with the deceased dog. And, um, and, and we did, and that um, there was, you know, there were issues about the first dog. Um, the family had moved after the, 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 sec- the dog had died like I should say like dog one, dog two, dog three. Yeah. But I said, well, just, do you still have any of his relics of the deceased dog? You know, something that the dog one can have the continuity of with, you know, his, his deceased loved one. And, and it was an issue of him, of him grieving and not feeling, you know, or that was part of his whole array of experience, but that he, he really was grieving the, the dog. It was the family had a hole in it that hadn't been sufficiently um, 
and it wasn't because of any lack of effort on her part, but it was just there, you know, the way any absence leaves a big hole and, and the dot, and he was grieving. And there, there are animals who um, can roll with it more. We can talk about in spirit in a moment. Cause I know that's taking stuff off in another direction, but there are animals who, you know, can roll with the loss and have more perspective on it. And, and then just like humans, you know, it's, it's all of our, as you and I talked about in our um, Instagram live, that there are all these different ways of grieving mm-hmm. and it's what is, you know, easy or that there are parts of it that are easier for some people and parts of it are harder for other people. And that animals experience things on a species level per their customs of their people, like crows and elephants and, and all of you know, the ones that we know. Mm-hmm they do also have individual um, individual capacities based on their relationship with the departed beloved one. Yeah. And, and that's something that I actually have learned, you know, through doing the, in, you know, in spirit consults or, or consults for animals who've lost, you know, when there was a, a, a departure in the family that way. And it, that was something that's come out of my own, um, experience in the consultancy. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something that you, the like in spirit, like consultations, um, is that something that you do a lot of, or is it mainly communicate with, um, you know, animals that are currently like in this, on this plane and, you know, um, alive and present or, um, you know, is it, is it a mix or I'm just wondering if there's like, like obviously because like the the podcast itself is obviously Mm -hmm. like tailored to you know pet loss and um you know creatures great and gone and so I was wondering whether um you know how the I don't know how like how the like in uh, the in spirits of like consoles of work and Mm -hmm. whether you know who who gets the most benefit would you say is it the owners that are getting some sort of closure or is it the remaining um animals companions that are are, are being listened to and are being consoled in you know in a way that you know just uh, how how does that sort of work and yeah those are you always ask amazing questions Carrie so (laughs) okay originally um originally I didn't we were trained to do in spirit consults it was part of my training and you know and um but it wasn't something that I necessarily had planned to lead with. And I still don't lead with it. I lead with my um, live the packages or offerings for living animals. And, but what happened was I would have clients ask me to do it. And so I will always do it for a client or somebody who asks, but I only publicize it <laughs> at certain times of the year because um, I, I, w- I would intend my service to be more for, you know, living, living animals. And um, in the case of in spirit animals, the, the person who benefits the most is the human client, you know, yeah. and, and it is, it is for them. And it is the the format is similar in the way that I set up and do a session. I don't do anything physically differently when I do an in spirit consult 
as to a living animal consult. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same with um, having the conversation with a client ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I always ask them to send me pictures, photographs of the animal um, with their eyes open mm-hmm. and with nobody else in the picture, including animals. And no, that means nobody's foot and nobody's, you know, it's just, that's the kind of the portal that you use yeah. I turn off all my Wi-Fi, and I sit with the image on my computer screen and my notebook and my pen. And, and that's, so all of that is the same, the same um, opening protocols that I do, which are to prepare myself and also to do you know, protection sounds too defensive, but it's just to create a sphere around me and the animal that, um, that just keeps, keeps everything in integrity and keeps everything intact. And, um, and then I do the same process of, you know, communication that I do with the questions the client sends me. And then I close it out the same. I write the report the same. And I have the report review with the client the same. Yeah. The, the, some of the difference is the, the longest away, um, the longest away departed animal that I've done so far had passed in 1986. My yes. yes. And that um, their mistress had some questions that she wanted to ask them because she had loved them so much and had things that she wanted to know. And the energy of that um, was sort of, and this goes into like the department of mysteries. This is like stuff that's just like so high realm and so far off that it's difficult. I don't want to create any kind of like cosmology about it because then it locks stuff in and then it closes off my experience. My experience with that particular animal was almost so, um, it was more abstracted. It was clear, but it had, it was, if I say data, it makes it sound very cold and like but it's like there it was so much the higher aspect of that animal that it was very kind of impartial and and it didn't have a whole lot of I got a great communication from it but it was a very different um it wasn't inflected with a lot of emotion or flourishes it was just kind of how you would imagine if it was my high 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 self with this big perspective and it's, you know, and just not being really like inflected by any moods or uh, things being cut off. Cause I can't perceive them. It was just like, da, 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 down, you know, it's yeah, this yeah. way. That was interesting. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it, so you're, you're, but when you do a living animal communication, animals are kind of, both on their individual animal level of say my cat Huck is over there taking a nap on the sofa. And he, and if I was going to talk to him, he would have his Huck experiences kind of like on the level I'm having my Laura Marjorie Miller experiences right now. But then there's like a higher aspect to Huck that just goes all the way up to the top. 
So when you're doing a communicate or top, I mean, to speak in spatial terms, but you know, like, whoa, up. but when you're doing a communication in, this is my experience. It's like you kind, I kind of get a mix because you're talking to, or talking with, or speaking with the animal on a level where they're like a little bit lifted up from, oh my God, I'm peeing on the carpet because I'm freaked out. Like yeah. you, you have, it's your spirit and their spirit are having a conversation and you're helping them be understood and, and in a way that their guardian then is going to understand what they need. So they have their own personality, but then, and it's, but then there's like a bigger aspect to it that has even more perspective on um, that's still them. It's getting really heady. I'm going to have angels on the head of a pin in a minute. So I need to like, let you ask me a question. (laughs) I think that's brilliant. I think that's, um, that's really good. Thank you. Um, So I think what I'd uh, like to ask is, um, is there a particular sort of message that you feel people need to hear, whether that's a, a Laura Marjorie Miller message um, or it's a collective or a collective message, if it's something that like a common theme that you've come across that you just think, do you know what? I don't know who needs to hear this, but I trust it'll reach the person that does need to hear it. Uh, what do you is there anything that you feel that people need to um you know uh, take a, acknowledge or um look out for i guess two things pop to mind just on top of that that are big um sort of starting principles and one is it's to believe what you believed when you were a child is is true and that is that is the what i would say the closer to the real reality and and to allow yourself and that's how whenever i do any kind of coaching or if i'm teaching a webinar or something i always begin with like you begin by believing that that it is it's true and and you when you do that you open yourself up to a realm of experience that you you can't have if you don't (laughs) believe that it's true but it's not the same thing as being you know believing a fantasy or being delusional or something like that it's just honestly like if you if you want this to be real you can you can allow it to be real it's almost like if you're not if you're not allowing it to be real you're almost like disallowing it and forcing it out Mm -hmm. Um, to have a a sympathy and compassion for your child childhood perception that is like believing yourself, like the way, you know, you learn to believe children when they speak and Mm -hmm. you're not overriding it with a bunch of just customary stuff. Yeah. And now that, you know, when you, when we've been talking about Kipling and I only just made this connection because I, um, I hadn't thought of it before in reference to, to the 
you know, Oh Best Beloved or Two Just So stories, but those are children's stories. And, and the way he speaks, the narrator speaks to the child who's listening to him or you as the child who's listening is so, you know, gentle and, and embracing and, and that the fact that they're children's stories. And the first time I heard Elephant's Child, I was in kindergarten. So I was five and I was the, we did it as our class play and I was the narrator. And so I knew everybody's part and I knew the whole thing by heart, all of the lines, including my own, which blows my mind. And I decided I could, I could dress as any animal in it. And I wanted to be the bicolored Python rock snake. So my mom made me like, I had this beautiful like headdress of a snake head and in like segments going down my back, but to have a a children's, a children's openness Mm -hmm. to the possibilities of reality. And, um, and then the second thing, and it's, it's just a correction of something I hear people say a lot because it's such a tagline and it, it, it kind of chaps me because it's not true. It's like people who are champions for animals saying, well, we're a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. And it's like, no, animals are not voiceless. They're not voiceless. We, you know, you can be an ear for the earless and you can help people hear animals. It's not animals who've lost their voices. It's us who've lost our belief that we can and our and because what your belief is can block your ability to do something Mm. you know we've we've shut our ears off and that kind of because we're recording this towards Christmas always makes me think of that there's a beautiful like old folk legend about at midnight on Christmas Eve all of the animals can speak and it comes from stories about the nativity and that moment of all the animals in the stable. Oh, there's, yeah. And there's a beautiful old um, folk carol called the friendly beasts and all of the things that they're saying, you know, in this, in the stable and like all the parts that they're playing. But what I think is really the reason that animals can speak at midnight on Christmas Eve depending on people's own belief system. Um, but it's because that's a miraculous time and it's not that the animals can speak, but it's that we can hear them. Yeah. And it's all of a sudden our ears are unstoppered. Yeah. And so that's the miracle. And the, and the miraculous aspect of it is that stopping feeling like you're so separate from everything around you all the time. And that the world is so populous and it's so interesting. And when you said, you know, earlier, you said like this cacophony of sound of like voices, it's full of beautiful, you know, voices and experiences and perspectives and um, that are different to our own. And it, it helps us so much to, to be in those and, and, and to open ourselves up to being able to, um, to perceive the world in those ways. I, I, I will have, um, and, and one of the things I do before I do a session, I always do a practice where I kind of clean myself out and I pull out 
you know, everything as far as like, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I think my prejudgment is on this situation. If I had one or just what am I wound up about something today or anything. Mm-hmm. And I never have a prior judgment on any client. I just hear them out because I know I'm going to learn something. And um, I wouldn't be a very good communicator if I came at it with an agenda. My agenda is to help people, to help the people, you know, feel better and their animals feel better. And that is the agenda. But I've, you know, I I always know when a communication is like really valid and really real, when it just blows my mind, it was like something that, that I never would have come up with on my own. And it's coming from a totally different perspective where it's even like when I'm writing down my notes and there'll be a turn of phrase or a syntax or something, I'm like, where is that? Like, I didn't make that up. It's, or, you know, just things that you go into, um, you could go into thinking, oh, I know how this is going to be. And I have like a, a judgment on it. Or I went to a, a Buffalo farm um, recently, bisons. Mm-hmm. And these are bisons who it is a farm and they're like, mm-hmm. ra- you know, ranched bisons, but they're like free roaming beautiful they're they're taken care of in a really beautiful way but the truth is that some of them will meet their end and end up as a bison burger Mm -hmm. and but the thing was I you know if I had gone in and been like oh you're exploiting these bison and this sucks and you know you're like a murderer or whatever I would have been I wouldn't have been of service to my client who was, and, and I wasn't thinking that anyway, because you can't, you can't go into anything with that um, point of view. But one of the things that the bison heard, and it was like a herd communication, which was really interesting, was saying like, we were, you know, they're this ancient race and they have been around since the Pleistocene. And this isn't, you know, this is me summarizing, but saying, you know, it's because of, you know, it was this link, this isn't the language they use, but it was the idea that like this farms like this, things like this, we're allowed are allowing us to continue to move through time forward. Yeah. And the fact that some of us are, and this is not their word, but again, this is me summarizing, but some of us are sacrificed that's what, if we were out on the plains, like we would be given, some of us would be taken down by wolves. Some of us would be, you know, like this is part of our agreement and we don't have that relationship with predators, but that was, but the predator prey relationship of them making the prey animals stronger, like the predators do because they take and they keep the genetics stronger. It was like that, that is being replicated here in a way like in order for our race to survive, this is what we're doing. And in its exchange, we're making. And that blew my mind. I would never have, you know, come up with that. And it made me just have a a totally different, you know, thinking, look, this is a really beautifully run farm by people who are on, you know, who have a purpose, but it's things like that, that are a, a different perspective than a human, than a human judgment on something. And that, mm. and it's, that's really illuminating and mm. it's really, 
you know, the, like the more of that stuff that we could learn, you yeah. know, helps us make decisions and, and understand situations in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. Thank you. I was brilliant. Thank them because I. <laughs> that was fabulous thank you so much thank you yeah that was a, um, that was a good that was a gift that was just such a beautiful day oh I was trying to pick I was picturing it and I just like in my head and just like picturing all these like bison just like milling about and you know and, and then like when you, and then I was seeing like cave drawings and mm-hmm. I was just like oh this is fa- this is honestly it's so fascinating um, yeah yeah that was a great day you. I was out like in the bed of the, the owner's daughter took me out and I was like in the bed of her truck and we were out in the middle of bison past, you know, they were milling around. And I would say for anyone who wanted to listen, I, I wonder if there's any sort of relaxation music that's like being in the middle of a bison herd, they make these like growls and purrs and grunts and they don't sound like cows, but it was, you know, like these deep kind of rumbling sounds like, oh, like whales. It was it was so, or like kind of growly, almost like a, a chuffing tiger. It was, it was the most, and I was, they were in every direction, like 360 degrees around me and this blue sky, a perfect day. And yeah, I was so glad that, that my path brought me to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I was getting all goosebumpy then. I was just, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. brilliant. Yeah, I do love them though. They're like magnificent creatures. And, you know, I, I watch like documentaries like Yellowstone and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you can, and you hear them like, you know, snarling and grumbling. And I'm just like, they're amazing. I just love, I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, yeah. So, well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Honestly, this has been absolutely amazing. I've, I've, I've loved it. And, uh, I'm sure people like listening will have, uh, learned something new or gained a newer, hopefully a, a newer appreciation for animal communication and and what yeah. it's about and um well thank you it's been yeah it's been really nice yeah, yeah. I love I love sitting and listening to your questions because your questions unfold and I and I restrain myself because I have this like sort of jumpy tendency to want to answer a question before it's done <laughs> but I'll be like listening to you and I'm like keep keep asking because this is a great great question oh I think that's my neurodivergency I think I just I tend to think of like you know one of the sort of screening questions is you tend to think of like life and the universe and things on a deeper level I'm like yeah it's like because I'm all about the what ifs and the why and you know I think that's why I got into pet movement counseling it's like if but why you know yeah. why does that happen and and just and then you just spiral yeah so thank you I really appreciate that that was really that's that's awesome. thank yeah. you thank yeah. you very much so yeah. yeah no it's been it's been a pleasure speaking to you thank you so much if, if I could say one quick thing just about yeah. um clients often who want in spirit um a lot of times um they'll they'll ask for an in spirit because they have an unresolved situation of, of guilt in themselves mm-hmm. about making a decision, yeah. the decision. Um, and, and I guess it's one of those things that self-selects a demographic because everybody who's always been to me did their absolute best and, you know, and they're not the people who I guess did something casually or without yeah. thinking about it. 
And I don't know in that case what an animal would say about it, but animals, especially when they're in that higher state, everything, everything happens in the time that it happens for a reason that it happens. And the animals often have more control and choice over the things that are happening than we necessarily are comprehending in that moment. There aren't accidents of timing usually um i'm getting like a rush when i'm saying that there are <laughs> there aren't accidents of timing there are you know things are carried along on a certain time stream for and happen at a time for a reason so and that's what i would tell you know anybody who was really carrying around uh a feeling of guilt that they could have done something different or they could have seen a different way to do something. And I think the answer is that you, and they're like, well, if I'd only thought of that, or if I'd only thought that it's like, no, you had the information, the amount and kit of information you had at the time that you made that decision Mm -hmm. was the only information you were supposed to have because that's what, was going to happen yeah and so um and something that I I've said you know once before on another podcast but there might be somebody who needed to hear it is that all of the things that we love animals in having them in our lives about that unconditional love and that purity that they that they show to us that purity of, of love without a bunch of just crap and contract, you know, just like complexes around it, that there's no reason to think that that would not also be the same after they're not on the earth anymore. So that, that forgiveness, that unconditional love is the same. And if you Uh, had, you know, um, a difficult decision to make at the vet and you made it. And afterwards you're beating yourself up just to be really clear that it's not the animal who's beating you up and the animal spirit is not bearing a grudge against you about why didn't you give me five more days or you didn't do this right. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, and, and you and I talked about that in our, in our live a little bit, that this to grieve somebody because you miss them. Yeah. That's one thing, but to just keep it, it, it only has to be that simple. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff is, is stuff that we're making up in our mind or stuff that we're importing. Yeah. That's not the case. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. Oh, it was getting all, yeah. So I was, I was getting all like teary. Then I was like, do you know what? Yeah, that's yeah. No, somebody out there needs needs to hear that. Yeah. And I think like somebody will be listening, and they'll be like, you know, they'll have been listening because it's an interesting topic. And then they get towards the end of the podcast, and then they'll be like, oh, hang on a minute. And you know, it's going to really, yeah. There's going to be. I think that's a really good gift to give this. The um. I think, especially in part, given this time of year as well, where uh, losses can be mockingly felt because there's an empty space and, you know, Christmas and it's time for coming together. And so I think there'll be somebody who will hear that and just be like, 
you didn't know I needed to hear it but I did and so yeah thank you thank you okay. very much thank you oh, thank you thank you